What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Irving, here with you for today's episode with Alex from Hot Tongue Pizza. Now, for the most part, the podcast episodes that we do are positive. We talk about marketing. We talk about how to grow your business. And we talk about the good things that happen in businesses and share that with you. Not that today's episode is a bad episode, but it's about the harder parts of opening a new pizzeria. Never really talked about that before. We may have brushed on it here and there in past episodes of the podcast about how hard it is to actually open a pizzeria. But Alex has opened a vegetarian pizzeria. It's called Hot Tongue Pizza. It's in Los Angeles, California. And he talks about how hard it was for him to get this place built up. He took over an existing subway, and he thought it was going to be a little bit easier than it was. And the reason he and I wanted to share this episode with you was to share, if you are looking to open a pizzeria or a second location, to think about these things before you get ready to lease a place or buy a place or open a new pizzeria and make sure that you have everything that you need at your disposal to make it as successful and as smooth as possible. Because from the sounding of Alex's story, it was a nightmare for him. And I wanted to share that. And we do talk a little bit about other stuff, but you know, it, it ended up being okay. He's open. He's getting his, his customer base going. He's starting his pizzeria and he's loving the process now that he's open. So let me just put that out there in the beginning. But this is about the harder parts of opening a pizzeria. And I thought it was a different kind of episode to relate. And I'm sure people who have opened pizzerias can relate to a lot of what Alex is saying. I know I can, because back when we opened our second pizzeria, uh, it wasn't as hard as Alex's because we didn't have to deal with all the logistics of the city and the permits and everything. But it was very hard dealing with construction people and timing and making sure that everything was done under budget and on time. That's the hardest part. And Alex talks a lot about uh, a lot about that in this episode. I think you're going to enjoy that. If you do need help, though, if you do have an existing pizzeria and you need some help marketing your business, a couple of things we're doing lately is I'm doing some Instagram reviews. Shoot me your Instagram account. You can DM me on Instagram at Smart Pizza Marketing. I'm going over people's Instagram accounts, giving them some tips. I kind of call them Instagram teardowns. Now, you got to be okay with me putting them out there on social media and on YouTube. But what I do is, and you can check some of ours out over on our YouTube channel, Smart Pizza Marketing. I go into your Instagram account. I look over your account, and I give you exactly what I would do if I was running your account. If you're doing fantastic, I tell you the things you're doing great at. If you're doing terrible, I tell you what you're doing terrible at, but I also tell you how to fix it. So if you want some help with your Instagram account, you can shoot me a DM, give me your account. We have a bunch, so I may not get to it for a little bit, but we'll add it to the list. And if you do need help with your marketing, zip code marketing that we have from Smart Pizza Marketing is available. We only work with one pizzeria per zip code. We do we can help you with strategy, implementation, ad ads, running your ads, helping you with the ad strategy and building custom audiences on social media. Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, all those platforms, we can help you come up with the plan, the content, and then execute on the plan. So if you've been struggling to figure out social media, you can join our mastermind group and learn on your own with us, or we can help you implement the process. And again, we only work with one pizzeria per zip code. Smartpizzamarketing.com forward slash zip is how you get in touch with us. There's a form you have to fill out because it's got to be a certain criteria and it's got to fit. It's got to work for you. And it's got to work for us. And your zip code has to be available. Again, smartpizzamarketing.com forward slash zip if you need some help with your marketing. Okay, that's it for me. Let's go into today's episode with Alex from Hot Tongue Pizza. He also owns Purgatory Pizza, which I'm sure you've heard of. Let's get into today's episode. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Alex from Purgatory Pizza and his new venture, Hot Tongue Pizza, is joining me on the podcast. Alex, thank you so much. I know you got a lot going on, so thanks for hanging with me. 
thank you for having me. Thank you for letting me come on again. I appreciate it immensely. Yeah, man, I always love to catch up with people from the podcast and see what they're up to, especially those that are pushing the boundaries and doing new things. I always love to kind of hear updates and, you know, the whole purpose of this podcast is to share information with people. So give us a little bit of update. What have you been up to? Uh, For the last like year and a half, two years, I've been trying to open up Hot Tongue, um, a brand new pizzeria um, that has just uh, has taken all of my time, all of my energy, all of my everything. Um, it has uh, not been the easiest thing to do. And that's why I hit you up because uh, through your podcast, I have, I've learned so much. There's so many gems that are dropped on this pod. Um, you know, it's a place where it's like, if, if you don't, if you don't need to go to the, the pizza expo, you can get on a, you know, smart pizza marketing and there is legend after legend after upcoming person that is on this podcast. And I just want to be part of that. I want to be able to share some information uh, because it's it, this podcast itself has helped me in so many different ways. So that's why I hit you up. Well, thank you. I appreciate the kind words there. And it's great, right? Like, you know, sometimes it's hard to do things and we don't often talk about the hard times. A lot of people share their success stories or what's worked for them, which is great. That's the purpose, right? To motivate people and share what works. But sometimes there's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes that don't work out great or it's a lot harder than you thought it was going to be. And um, you're right. I like I like the mix of people we have on this podcast. Those who have been, you know, have five, six, seven stores and those who are just doing pop-ups and just getting started. I love to hear the the differences of how people are kind of hopping into this pizza community. It's It's awesome to hear. So how, when did, so I know, I think last time we talked, when was it last January or February? Last, like around this time last year, a little earlier of uh, 2021. And you just, and Hot Tongue we just recently opened, open, right? In July. No, Hot Tongue was supposed to be opening June 1st. Oh, wow. 21. And it just opened? How, so, when did it open? We opened a month ago. So... If I can, I just want to, I want everyone to understand because when I went to open up this restaurant, I, I, I invested into a restaurant that had been open up for seven years. So there was a lot I didn't know. There was a lot I got to know about being an owner, a leader, a, a better chef, a pizza creator, all those things. But there was no Google search for how to open up a business from the floor up. So I just... I'll take you through kind of what I did. Let's do it. And I literally Googled, like, what do you need? You know, what do you need? And uh, <laughs> Google can be a great place. You know, nerd, yeah. Nerd wallet, uh, you know, has this whole thing that's like, you just need permitting. You need this. And then you need capital. And it's like all these things. It's like, oh, I can do this. So, you know, after searching for the right location, uh, we found this old subway. Okay. And then uh, I didn't know what an LOI is, so letter of intent. So we signed this LOI, and um, you know that takes a month. And uh, we 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 go through the terms, and they they say, okay, we're gonna give you some TI money, twenty six thousand dollars. That sounds great. That sounds like a lot of money to me. I'm stoked on that. They say six months free rent. I'm like, easy. I'm gonna build this restaurant in four. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna put a hood in an oven we're going to be slanging pizza here in three months um 
And after I signed everything and I started talking to people, I, I, I slowly realized that that is not how things work. Was it, um, so you're leasing the, the I, you're leasing the, the place right now? Like, is it a lease? Oh yeah. 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 It's a lease. So I signed a, uh, a five-year lease with two extensions for five years. So possible 15 years, which I would say is pretty good. You, yeah. you definitely want to try to sign a lease for 10 years at least. Um, but uh, it just quickly was like, the more people I talked to, I was like, I, I was calling hood people and they were like, well, who's your general contractor? I was like, no, no, I just need a hood. And they're like, well, there's permitting and there's all these things. And like, maybe I'm just naive and other people know what it takes, but you know, I think the, the secret that everyone doesn't tell sometimes is that like no one knows what the fuck they're doing, um, you know, me included. And uh, this was just a brutal process of just like, you don't know this, you don't know that, you don't know this. And it's been educational, but it's also been really painful. So, um, you know, after figuring out, it took me a month and a half to figure out how many permits and um and how I needed plans, I needed an architect, I needed a design team. Uh, you know, I finally put a team together. Um, and now my budget that I had is getting eaten up, eaten up, eaten up. But I'm telling these people, here's my budget. They're like, oh yeah, that's no problem. We can stay in that. That's no big deal. We got that. Uh, so I talked to the architect and they are also a consulting company that, uh, you know, and I know this is going to be different in everyone's, uh, everyone's state is different. California and Los Angeles, I'll tell you this much, is a nightmare. Yeah. Uh, they're, you know, I'm, I'm sure it differs in other places in the United States, but they don't make anything easy. Um, but they tell me that permitting at, at a uh, expedited rate is still going to take me six months. Is that because so there's a lot I'm of, like, is that because no there's, I need, a, I need is that because there's a lot of building and construction going on or in their backlogged or why does it take that long? Did they tell you? So it's just kind of like the rate, like the, it, it's the middle of COVID. You can't go down to an office anymore. Right. Um, so things are slower that way. And then, yeah, it's just like, they, he, they just explained that like, that's, that's the pace of the city. You know, they're all overworked and like some of them just like get to it when they want to. And like, uh, you know, everyone tells me these stories like this is normal so i'm thinking okay th that's normal right um and so six months i'm already shitting my pants because i'm supposed to be open in six months that's where's my free rent i'm gonna start having to pay rent right anyways it takes literally exactly six months to design the space get all the permitting all the stuff in there and then um and while this is happening, I realized that like this, this old subway that I thought I'd have to put new floors in, paint the walls and drop a hood in. Oh no, we need to strip that whole thing. And they tell me that uh, demolition is going to be $30,000. And I was like, well, I don't got $30,000. So me and my buddy uh, with literally two hammers and like a pick pull up like 10,000 pounds of subway tile. We knock all the, the walls down. We... We gut the whole place. So what I thought I was getting was literally just a shell of a restaurant. So um, that's done. Permitting's done in December. They say, okay, you can start bidding to a general contractor. Uh, am I making sense, Bruce? Is all this making sense? Yeah. So it took you six months. You got the lease yeah. signed. You got information that you needed I a got whole bunch more things than you thought. And then you got it gutted in six months. Yeah. So it didn't really start for six months. It, it, 
Okay, so nothing happened for six months. I and I noticed, I know, let me hop like in here real, real quick, because I've been through that process of building out um, a restaurant, and I know that us restaurant people are used to being quick, right? Like, we, we're used to moving fast. Like, when we make a decision, we move pretty quick. Yes. We're used to being working every single 100%. day, 12 hours a day, so when we make decisions, it doesn't take that long. Construction, on the other hand, they don't move fast. And I remember working in the building out our pizzeria and like three months goes by and they did like one thing. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? Like, why is it taking so damn long to do this? It's not that much stuff when you think about it. Yes. And that I want to get to because it is a different world than the service industry. Uh, but I don't want to stop where uh, after all that permitting is done and how we had to bid out for a general contractor. Let's get into so it. We bid out. We bid out for a general contractor, five, uh, five people, and the bids came back. Construction is also a funny thing uh, and design because they don't they, they you tell these people what your budget is. And then uh, it's the it's the it's the one of the only things you get a price tag for uh, after all that work has been done. So when your budget is, you know, X, Y and Z, we got all of our. Um, all of the bids back and they were all triple what our budget were. And so we started shitting our pants again because we, we didn't know how we were going to come up with this money. So we had to de-scope. We had to take out all this stuff we had paid to get designed. And finally we met in the middle. I got two references from the cheapest bid. Um, and, and uh, we went with them and um, we started construction February of uh, 21 on the 22nd and they said it would be uh 14 to 16 weeks and um so that would have put us around june june 1st to open and like you just said i realized very quickly that construction world is not the same as regular world right. where the hospitality industry is all about pleasing your customer making sure that you're gonna you know you'll apologize if you mess up you, you are there to please you are there to make sure they are okay that their experience is good the construction world is a the opposite world. It's a world of disappointment. There isn't a <laughs> lot of sorries. There's a lot of excuses. And then there's a lot of state, a lot of the times, and this is just my experience. I'm not talking shit. If anyone's from the construction world and they're like, that's not how I work. I was like, if that's not how you work, call me because next time I'll use you. Um, but this was just, it was mind blowing. It, it began like the most toxic uh, relationship that I've ever had it, in my whole entire life. So when you it say top, when you say top, when you say toxic between you and the contractor. Yeah. So, um, he, the, there was just a, a, a web of lies spun from the beginning of construction. So, uh, when you set expectations, you, you want that follow through you, you are expecting, uh, these things to happen. And what he kept doing is creating more and more and more expectation and then falling flat every time. And so it was like being in an abusive relationship where it was like, no, no, look, he just did the floors and they, they cheapened the price, but he didn't like the hood system still isn't it. So it was like, uh, he, he would, he'd be like, look over here. Uh, because I don't want you to look over here. <laughs> and it, it was just, it was brutal. It was, it was, uh, it was like, it was pretty much like, it was a pretty dark time, like, because I'm a fairly positive person, but, um, 
I just, we just kept getting hit in the gut, in the gut. He, um, he told us to start hiring that we'd be open, uh, July 1st. And so I hired a whole staff. This was right when like, uh, things were opening back up. Unemployment was ending. People were like kind of looking for work again. Yeah. And it was like really hard to hire. I had some awesome people. I had hired 12 people, uh, three people had left their jobs. And then, uh, two weeks later, we realized that like this oven upgrade, um, if you are getting a pizza master MPM oven, make sure you have at least 200 amps of power in your building, uh, or you are going to be heartbroken for that upgrade. Um, and they basically told us it would be another three months to get that upgrade. So I ended up paying those people because they left their jobs for two months trying to hold on to them until I had to say, I'm so sorry. Like uh, it's not going to happen. So, um, wow. that was super brutal too. Um, and, um, through all this, uh, just dealing with anger and disappointment and stuff that like you can't control, which are, you are, you're, you're, I think you're, you deal with that a lot in a restaurant. There's a lot of things you can't control, you know, just having a, a restaurant that the plumbing goes uh, bad or, your oven stops working or whatever, but this was just uh, beyond that because you can always call somebody to fix it. It was just being like, I, I did at some point I thought that like the restaurant wasn't going to open. It was like very defeating. I was thinking like, what the fuck was I thinking doing this? Like um, it was super brutal. And then um, finally we got the upgrade in October and we could start calling for, um, uh, what is it called? Inspections. Um, and I don't know, you know, I've inspections were a nightmare too, because the design team that I had hired to help me design and then the architect, their plans, their plans didn't align. So in permitting, it really showed up. So I had to have six plumbing inspections because my general contractor wasn't doing, wasn't doing corrections. And it was all because the architect and the design team weren't on the same page when plans were permitted. Wow. So we spent a shit ton of money on the bathroom because when I go into a bathroom, I kind of like take notice, like, okay, I kind of judge a restaurant on their bathroom. It's like, it, if this is clean, I know that the back of house is clean. Right. And so I wanted a cool bathroom. It's just like something I've always thought about when I go into a restaurant everything that we customized and spent on that bathroom, I ended up after six plumbing inspections, ripping out and putting in the garbage. Oh. And, uh, it was just, it was just like, it, it was that. And then, um, uh, we were almost done with inspections. We were two inspections away. I think we had a uh, building and safety and health. And right after Christmas, um, the electrical electrical company calls me and they say, Hey, I'm so sorry, but we got to put a lien on your building. And I had to look up what a lien was. Um, and the I found out my general contractor wasn't paying people, even though I had paid him in full. Oh. And, um, and so I didn't know what to do. And he ghosted me for two weeks. I didn't hear from the general contractor. So I started making moves by myself. Um, and I reached out to my architect, my architect who originally started the job with me. And he was nice enough to not even bill me for all the time that he spent trying to get me open. And, uh, I know I'm already telling like a long story, but he, he, he helped me get past the finish line. Um, and I just, 
I just, I was so unprepared for, for everything that came my way in this whole experience. And I felt like every person I started talking to had like a similar experience, but I felt like, um, it wasn't really talked about anywhere. It's like, oh yeah, like opening up a restaurant is hard, but it's like really being mentally prepared for like all the shit that can go wrong. And it's like, it was just me and my wife, you know, like yeah. I had to reach out, I had to reach out for family. Um, because the money was just like, it was basically disappearing at like on all fronts. And if it hadn't been for like a generous loan from my brother-in-law, we just, we would have been buried. And I don't know what anyone else would have done. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, would you have stopped? Um, so I just, I kind of wanted to just like come on and say like <laughs> that anyone who opens up a restaurant, anyone who wants to open up a restaurant, there is so many ways to, steer clear of maybe the red flags that, that, that I should have just because I didn't know what questions to ask. I didn't know, um, what I should have been looking for. And like, even as like a seasoned owner of a restaurant for six years, uh, opening up a, a new beast is like crazy. And I look at people on your show who have like three, four units, like Mike Bosch and like, uh, you know, uh, like, uh, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, he's uh, from Texas. Uh, Gapco. Yeah. Like these dudes like make it look easy. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I'm like, dude, I don't know if like they have a full team of people, if there's investors, but like when you're doing this by yourself, it's fucking hard. And <laughs> I uh, think it's where you're located too. Los Angeles and Cal in California to me in the, by the people that I've talked to, isn't the easiest place to open a, open a new place. Right. Like it's hard to, it's yeah. hard to operate but it's even harder to like construct a, a new building from compared to Texas. Yeah. I mean, and like, I would love to know what the process in Texas is. You know what I mean? Like, I think the process just, in Texas just, is you just I, say, I'm going to open a pizzeria. And they're like, okay, here you go. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of how it should be, but uh, you know, there's all like a, like everything in here, like has to be green and like, you know, you have to have dimmers on all your lights and like you have to have title 24. And it's just like, there's an abundance of knowledge that I've gained. And I really feel like I've paid for the tuition of this experience. Um, and, and I hope that, you know, I can help other people, uh, avoid this tragedy, but like, it's also like what you pay attention to. And maybe I wasn't paying attention to people that were coming on your show or other podcasts that I listen to that talk about the heartbreak of like, trying trying to do this because uh you know like i said the people i started talking to they'd be like oh yeah like let me tell you this story i'm in i'm in like a facebook group with the dudes from the u.s pizza team and like they all had like a horror story and it's like man this needs to be talked about more often like we need to like help other people coming up like avoid these pitfalls you know what i'm saying because it's it ain't easy yeah what would so give me like um if you had to do it all over again let's start from the beginning like what and you know what would you have done the first thing differently knowing what you know now number one i would have gotten a second generation restaurant i never i will never i can't don't say never but i would i would never do a full build out again I would, I would get a, a second generation restaurant. And then after that, I would have signed a lease where, uh, under construction or while we're not open, I will be paying no, absolutely no rent. Um, 
until the doors are open if I'm doing tenant improvements. And by the way, I said the $26,000 in tenant improvements. I thought that was a lot of money, but uh, it's not a lot of money yeah. when it comes to doing a full build out. I thought the hood, the hood install cost $50,000. Okay. And I read that on a bid and I was like, oh, okay. That's, I wasn't like, oh, okay. I was like, holy shit, that's a lot of money. <laughs> but I was like, uh, I was like, that's the hood. That's the install and the duct work. In the middle of the bid uh, meeting that we have, they're like, so you still have to order the hood. And a hood is eighteen dollars to $20,000. It's a 14-foot hood. And these are all things that, like, I just didn't know. So it was like, punch, punch, punch. And so, uh, you know, definitely, definitely the second-generation restaurant and definitely uh, a, better, a better lease because I ended up paying almost a year and a half of, of rent with no income. Wow. So what do you mean by second generation restaurant for anybody who's not familiar? Oh, get a, go to a restaurant that already has a working hood that has a three pot sink that has a grease trap that has the electrical that you need that has all these things. And if you're ever going to go into thinking that Subway was a second generation restaurant, it is not uh, Subway is not a restaurant. <laughs> why? Uh, why? Cause they don't have any it, ovens or it, anything, right? It, it's one giant microwave. Yeah. They just, all they do is heat some things up. Um, so that's what I'm talking about. Just like having all those bells and all, all those whistles. Maybe you have to just uh, tear down a, um, a bar or make or put up a bar and some cool seating and, you know, change a little of the interior. But your back of house is like pretty much set to have a restaurant because uh, you'll have to go through way less permitting code stuff, blah, blah. Um, there's a dude, uh, I forget his name. He has a bunch of restaurants, but he has like the five day flip. Who's that? Nick Bo Bogatz? On the yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, he, he's, he's got it. He's got a uh, process down, you know? Um, I don't know if in LA, if it's feasible to do five day flip here, but, um, that's kind of what we're talking about. It has to, it has to be harder to find an old pizzeria. Yeah. It has to be harder based on where you are. Like it, depending on the location, like every city is so different. Even talking to like food truck operators, every city has different standards to how they want you to run the, the food truck. And it's gotta be easier in some cities and harder in others. Like you, where you are to do what you wanted to do. I bet you, if you did the same thing in, I know we keep saying Texas, but like, I don't know. I feel like the Southern states don't have as hard as restrictions on businesses right now. They may change in the future, but I feel like if you were somewhere else, you wouldn't have had to go through all that you went through. Yeah. I mean, maybe I'll learn that, you know, maybe, maybe that was my biggest mistake. Maybe the next time I open up something in Arizona and yeah. I can, I can get that, that knowledge. But I mean, I, I would love to know, you know what I mean? Like if anyone's listening to this, hit me up and let me know like, Oh man, you come here. Cause maybe it's time to move <laughs> after this experience. Uh, well, uh, it can't, no, if kidding. you do open another one, it can't be much harder, right? Well, that was another thing I stopped saying. I was like, oh, it can't get any worse because every time I said that, it got worse. So, uh, but but no, I mean, I'm like very excited to open up the next one because I do feel that I have all this knowledge. I know the right questions to ask. I know what a, a real general contractor is supposed to be doing and what kind of work is supposed to be being done. And And I'm excited for that because you're right, like, it was so shitty that this next one's going to 
I know it'll have to feel more smooth. Let me so ask you this. I'm excited for that. Do you, because that sounds like a real pain in the ass what you went through. Did you feel or do you feel bitter at all about the restaurant or the pizzeria because of what it really took to open? And like, are you like, damn it, I hate this place now. No, 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 absolutely not. I, I mean, I, I love this place. At, uh, in September, it was done construction-wise. It was this beautiful, beautiful, it turned out amazing. I mean, it's exactly how I envisioned it in my head. But it, um, it, it ran, it was there barren for six months, and it really did become a place of resentment. I, yeah. would, I would go here, and I just wouldn't feel, I wouldn't feel good. It was, it, I just, the energy wasn't right, but the, the minute we started training and it came alive and the oven was on and the smell of pizza and I'm making dough and the spirals going. I was like, this is fucking it. I remember like I started, uh, Oh man, I'm gonna start crying. I, uh, uh, I, can you get that Casey? I left the restaurant the first day and, uh, I just remember listening to this Kanye song and I took a left on Fletcher and I just started crying because, um, it, uh, it, it was just like this thing that was this, this thing in my mind and it, it, it's now a reality and, uh, it was, it's overwhelming still thinking about, and I wouldn't take anything back because the journey has been pretty sick. Um, just gaining that knowledge. I think I've been like, it's made me a better dad and a better, uh, husband and a better leader. Um, and I, uh, I just, I, I I wouldn't take anything back as much as it sucked. I, I just hope that I, I never have to go through it again. It's like you went through a, a, a you went like to the college of opening a restaurant, all but having to pay for it all yourself in real life. Yeah, I mean, and that's what college is, right? You just go in, you get a quick education, and then you pay it off for the rest of your life, which is probably what I'll do. But you know, whatever. At the you know, my favorite quote because I was tripping about money and I went out to. Um, I went out to dinner with a friend and he goes, Alex, he goes, when you owe the bank $800, it's your problem. But when you owe the bank $800,000, it's their problem. And I like really, I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> that is a good so, way to look at it. You know, and, you know, it's like the money is just a, I know it's like the crazy thing. And a lot of people get scared about it and, uh, and I'm scared about it, but uh, I guess you got to just really put it out over here because it's just another number in the cloud that is going to get paid back because if I think about it too much, it'll it'll bury me. Yeah, you'll get you know, sick about, about it and you'll you'll end up your health will be end up suffering for it, which is like, you know what? You have Yeah. The only thing you can never get back in your life is time and your health, you know? And money comes and goes. Right. You can always make more of it or lose it and get it back or figure out a way to make some more, but your health and your time is something that if it deteriorates your health wise, it's hard to get that back and time never comes back. Yeah, I know that's a hundred percent. And and through this process, I, I also really learned that like, I didn't want to do what I did at purgatory. I didn't want to work there 14 hour days and wear that like a badge of honor and be like, look how hard I work. Um, and I'm fortunate enough to hire people and, and have people here that believe in what we're doing and that I can leave and still like see my son and um, have him, you know, like put him down to, to go to bed instead of just like working 14 to 18 hours a day and, and being miserable. Right. I mean, I know a lot of people in the restaurant industry think that that's a normal thing, but I think that needs to be denormalized. Um, 
because mental health, like you're not gonna be able to run a good organization. Your family's going to suffer. And like you said, those two important things are your health and, um, and your time. Yeah. And those are, those are still the most important things to me. It's, you know, the, the whole working long hours thing in the beginning of opening a restaurant, you know, sometimes you got to do that for the first few weeks, but there should be a plan in place or a goal of saying, all right, you know what? I know that I want to be here for the first couple of weeks to make sure everybody's trained and comfortable and everything's running smoothly, but it shouldn't be six months later that you're still doing that. Yeah, no. And I totally agree with that. And, and really it's like you create growth when you, and you're really a master of something when you can teach people exactly how to do things like you can, yeah. you don't need to be over people's shoulders. You, no one's going to actually really grow from you. If you're, if you're in the restaurant, you know, putting pizzas in and making them all the time. And I know people, some people will disagree with this. They feel like they should be there all the time. And like, I totally, I get that too, but I feel like my, my managers and my GM, Andrew and Michael, they, they'll learn a lot more if I'm not here to catch them every time. And it's up to me to be okay uh, when they do, you know, uh, fail really hard uh, to say, hey, no big deal. When I failed, no one was watching me. Right. No one saw it. As an owner, you get to fail and your employees aren't going to be like, hey, look at you, because a lot of times they don't know. So having, having gone through that stuff, being able to let them make the same mistakes and, 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 and have that personal growth to – if they want to open up their own place, you know, they have all these things in the back pocket. And that also allows me more time with my family or working on different recipes or maybe opening up another hot tongue. Yeah. I think there's three types of owners in the pizza industry. There's the owner who enjoys making pizza, doesn't want to have multiple restaurants and just likes the process of going in, making pizza. They enjoy it. They sell 100 or 200 pizzas a day, and they're totally content with that, and that's fine. That's the first style. The second one is the owner that is like what you're doing. They have a team in place. They let the team work the restaurant. Their goal is to like, all right, I'm going to try to find as many good people as I can, train them up, and growth, right? We maybe want to open a couple more stores, but in order for me to do that, I have to let go of the reins, and if even if they mess it up, I have to know that there's a process in place that if they mess it up, it's a learning experience for them and they'll fix it. And then the last type of owner is the person who doesn't want to be in either or doesn't want to be the first person, but they're not the second, the third person yet. They're like that owner that's feels like they have to be there 12, 15 hours a day making all the pizzas because they don't trust their help to do it themselves or to not make a mistake. And then they get bitter about it. And then they get bitter about their pizzeria in the pizzeria business and Instead of being like, you know what, I'm going to let go of the reins. I'm going to let my help take over it. They just never get to that point and they can't grow. They're just stuck at maybe one or two locations. And then that's kind of it. And now they, they're burnt out because it's getting harder to run a pizzeria and they want out. I agree with all that. Yeah. And it sucks to be that third. Yeah, it does. Totally. And I, and I find myself getting a lot of emails and texts and messages from a lot of those people. Do you know, I probably got. I've been doing this podcast for five or six years now. And over those six years, I've gotten a lot of people who have messaged me and said, hey, you know what? I'm looking to sell my pizzeria. Do you know anybody to, that wants to buy it? And I'm like, you know what? I don't, but I'll, like, you know, I'll share it and see if anybody's in the area that wants to buy it. You know, probably over the, the whole six years, other than the last six months, I'd say it probably happened to me four or five times. In the last six months, 12 people have messaged me with that sentiment. 
It's unbelievable how they many just people want out. they want out. I don't, it's unbelievable how many people are just tired of the pizza industry um, or their owners. And in, instead of realizing that times change and they need to change, they're just like stuck in 2002 and they want it to be 2002, even though it's 2022 and they don't want to change. Yeah, well, I mean, it's not easy. And you're you're preaching a good gospel over here about video, TikTok, and, you know, and Instagram reels. These are all things that like you, you need to get on or you're going to you're you're unfortunately going to have to get off. Uh, it, and it's a lot more work. Yeah, it's Putting so a much good more. Real together and, and doing TikTok, that shit, even just getting on Instagram and going through your feed and, you know, engaging with other restaurants and other people. That's like that's a 45 minute to an hour a day kind of thing. And then making a reel, I've been making reels with my business partner in this pizza consulting thing. And we're, you know, just to film it, it's two hours. Yeah. And then he's editing and it's, you know, you really have to put so much effort in because you're, you're not just, a, you know, it's not just Chinese or pizza delivering. You're dealing with Postmates. Yeah. You're dealing with other restaurants, pop-ups, ghost kitchens, you know, and everyone's spending big money on uh, on their advertising, so their reels are looking sick. Their TikToks are looking <laughs> yeah, sick, yeah. and it's 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 crazy. It's enough to be you know be like, dude, I can't do this anymore. It's not two thousand two. Give me the fuck out of here. Yeah, it's it's very very true. You know, if you it's very very true. It's like you come to a point in your career, which I think a lot of people are at. They've been in the pizza game for 20, 25 years. And they they said to themselves in the last year or two, all right, I got 10 more years. And that went to two. That 10 years in the last six months became, you know what? I got one, I got six months left. I'm out. I don't want to wait 10 more years. I'm done. I, the, it's changing so fast that I don't want to, they don't want to put in the work in order to, to change. And I think what happened was, and I've said this on a different podcast and you just mentioned it kind of, when, when we all, I'm, I'm kind of old. So I've, I've been in the pizza game for a long time, like since the late 90s, you know, late 90s. I, I was yeah, like yeah. A, a, tw- a, a, you know, 17 year old kid just getting started in the pizza business as like a manager, general manager type of thing. And back then it was kind of easy, right? Like you just sent it. There was no social media. You just sent out direct mails. Um, and, you know, it was kind of easy to find employment. Employment pay was low. Expenses were low. You made a lot of money. Um, what happened was, there was no other competition, like you said, in the pizza industry. Like, we delivered. You wanted something delivered. We would have people call us and be like, you know what? I don't want a pizza delivered, but the convenience store next door, can you grab me some cigarettes and some some beer and deliver that to me? And I'll give the driver 20 bucks. And we'll be like, you know what? No problem. We'll fucking do that. Why not? Um, as long as you're of age, you know? And that's what it was because no other place delivered. Now, every business, every business including like non-food related businesses, you can get something delivered either today or tomorrow the latest. And you have to realize that. And what happens is the menus that we had back then were so big because we were the only place in town that delivered. So it was easy. You know, it was easy for us to have 400 menu items because if you wanted something delivered, we wanted to make it for you. Now it's totally different. And people don't want to change their menu. They don't want to have less stuff. They don't want to have uh, specialize in like one or two or three things and then be the best at that. They just feel like they can't do that because if they do that, they're going to lose sales, they're going to lose business, and then they're going to lose their business. And until people get past that and really want to make the change, it's going to be hard for a lot of businesses to operate as pizzeria owners. 
Yeah, I agree. I think you you talked about this on the podcast with like with Bruno Pizzeria in Florida. Yes. The uh, the how menus used to just be gigantic, and it's it's very true. It's like you you got to trim down that fat, and you got to do those six things really really well, and people are going to come for you for those things because like now that there's Postmates or Uber Eats or whatever, they can get on that app and they can have it, it, what everyone specializes in. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like, all right, I'm going to get froyo from this place. I'm going to get a big gulp from 7-Eleven. And <laughs> I'm going to get this bond meat from this other place. Right. So it's you can't keep up. And and literally, delivering pizzas has been was my favorite job of all time. And I delivered pizzas in 2006. I, in one night, delivered 56 pizzas wow. or 56 orders. That's unheard of. I used to call myself the the, the best pizzeria on the West Coast, if not the United States. No one's ever done 56 deliveries out of a 1999 Honda Civic. <laughs> I was, I, it was crazy. But that being said, I don't do more than 12, uh, 12 deliveries a day at, at Purgatory. You know, it's just things have changed. Yeah. I have 30 Postmates, and I have right. 12 in-house deliveries. It's, just, it's, it's a different world, and the name of the game with anything – is adapt and change create new and keep on going or you die yep. you know what i mean or and shut the fuck up because up. you can't complain all the time yeah, or, it, or shut the fuck up <laughs> and stop complaining about labor costs and right. uh and your employees you know what i mean those aren't your problems dude right your problems are not labor costs and employees it's it's you yeah you know what i mean it's your damn menu it's literally so, your damn menu yeah. chop half your menu off it's, and half your problems will go away but nobody wants yeah. to do it because it's 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 they look at it as throwing money away. But in actuality, what is your life and your time and your energy and your mental state worth? To me, I would rather do less sales, make less money, but be happier and content in in a better mood and live longer than have the busiest store on the block and be miserable all day. Yeah, and I think the funny thing about what you just said too is uh, doing those things uh, almost might even make you busier. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, you, 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 you being happy and your 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 team being happy and your family being happy, all these things just it, it, not to sound all super LA, but like the energy <laughs> that you put off, like you know, yeah. like people feel that. And if you if you're fucking miserable in this space that you're spending 80 hours a week at, everyone's going to feel that. Yeah. You know what I mean? They'll feel it on your online presence. They'll feel it when they you walk in their door. It's like, you know, it's take hard some time to yourself. Cut. Yeah, it is hard. It's, it's not hard. easy. Like I don't want to. I don't want to sit here and be like, oh, it's easy for you to say, Bruce. You just talk into a microphone. You're not doing any of this shit. And they're right. I don't. Um, but I do have the opportunity to talk to a lot of people in. By talking to a lot of people, I see what they're doing that works and try to share that with others. So, yeah, I'm not doing it like myself or going through that process. So I don't know exactly if it's going to work or not. But I can't imagine it's going to be harder for you if you eliminate some things and, and, and try to make your business a little bit easier to run without having to worry about hiring as many people as you possibly can. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, if people are uh, coming at you saying, oh, you're not doing it, they should be kissing your ass, dude. You give out so much free information that uh, 
uh, everyone in the pizza industry should should give you a huge thank you, man. You uh, just like I said, this podcast and the stuff you post on Instagram is a lot of food for thought. So it's like if you want to start somewhere, you know, I'm not being paid either. Follow Smart Pizza Marketing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Thank you. I appreciate that very much. It's very it's the reason I do it. Listen, the reason I did the podcast to start with is because I was that person in the kitchen. We operated two pizzerias, and we were looking at each other like, "What the fuck? How do people have seven restaurants? I don't. We can barely hang on with these two, and there's two of us who are here, like one in each store, or sometimes together, trying to figure it out. And how do they get seven? We can barely hang on. And I was like, the reason I started the podcast was because I was that person, so I know exactly what it's like to be in those shoes. It's not easy. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I I'm still wondering that. So, like I said. If anybody has those answers, hit me up. We should do like a, we should do a do you have- more podcasts on this subject of like this and like maybe more round tables. I don't really often have multiple guests on the podcast because I find it hard to like engage with five or six people talking at once, but there should be, I should do more podcasts where we have multiple guests on the same time and like talk about this. Like, how did you solve this problem? That would be super sick. I would, I would love to benefit from, from having some cats on that you, that you know you've talked to in the past you know like get some straight big dogs up in here get tony in here and you know uh you know and and uh and even if you just did three other people you know i think four people in a little panel discussion would be easy online because you're right it does get a little messed up when there's like 12 dudes or people on the screen but <laughs> i think that'd be rad yeah it's it's hard too. sometimes the internet's lagging so it's already hard enough to have a conversation with four people but then you throw the internet into it and it comes even drastically harder to do it but we'll figure it out. i yeah. think that's a good thing to do are you going to pizza expo this year i cannot wait i have i have uh, been able to get out of here uh uh, at a reasonable time for the last month, but I haven't had a full day off and uh, I'm excited to go to Vegas with some of the team and see everybody and just, it, I, I look forward to it every year. So I'm very excited to hang out in Vegas with the pizza community. Where is the, um, where can they go to say hello to you if they're not going to the pizza expo or online, where should they go? You can go to uh, Hot Tongue Pizza on Instagram, just at Hot Tongue Pizza. Or if you have any questions, I also give away. Uh, we didn't really get into this, but I run an all-vegan pizzeria. And if you have any questions about vegan pepperoni or vegan cheese or vegan whatever, I'm giving everything out for free. You can just go to alexcoons.com. Uh, you can reach out uh, there. And honestly, it says consultant, but really it's – I'm just giving information out for free because I want to help people. So please take advantage of that if you want to veganize some stuff on your menu or you're looking to go 100% plant-based. Or hire you because, you know, free stuff is great, but sometimes it's way quicker. You have to decide what you want. You can go the slow route and listen to podcasts and watch YouTube videos and take six months to figure it out. Or you can just pay someone and be like, figure it out in a week. Sometimes I find it better to do that. That's than true. Is, you know? Thank you. It's sometimes it's hard to promote yourself, but yes, you could also pay me and I could give you an abundance of knowledge that I personally had to search on YouTube and listen to all of Bruce's podcasts and uh, just scour the internet for all of this shit uh, that I got up here. Yeah, so it's like that I'm old saying. Too. It's that old saying, right? Yeah. Like you pay, like the, there was that old story about 
um, an electrician or somebody coming into your house and like they came in and they turned one screw and they're like, all right, that's going to be $2,000. You're like, what the fuck? $2,000, you turn one screw. Well, the turning of the screw was, the turning of the screw was cheap. It's the, which screw you're going to turn is the $2,000 right. worth, right? You, you could have right. turned a screw. You're right. You but you didn't know which, which screw to turn. Yes. You screw that, the wrong screw, your house blows up. Exactly. So sometimes you pay for the, which screw to turn. And uh, you know oh, what? We'll, we'll, we'll do another podcast six months from now because I know you just opened. We'll, we're going to do a recap of like how it how it's going now that you're open and kind of moving through the process, and we'll catch up with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, awesome. That would be great. And I'll link everything up in the show notes for this episode too, your your Instagram, your website, uh, how to get a hold of you if people want to get a hold of you. I know I've, I've had a lot of people reach out to me about your vegan recipe that we did a couple like last year and ask questions about that. So uh, we'll link all that up in the show notes for this episode. Uh, over at smartpizzamarketing.com. Alex, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Don't go anywhere yet, but I, I, I appreciate you. you joining me thank on the podcast. All right, thank you to Alex for joining me on the podcast. Again, if you missed anything, go over to smartpizzamarketing.com forward slash nothing, just smartpizzamarketing.com. All the information will be there for you. The podcast, our marketing platform, if you want to join the mastermind group, if you want to hop on our daily email and get smarter about marketing every morning, all that's available over on our website. You can go check that out. If you're listening to the podcast yet and you haven't given me a review, that would be very much appreciated. We're almost at 100 reviews on iTunes, which is amazing. We're doing this podcast for a long time. I appreciate every single person who has left in a review, except for you if you haven't yet. But I will if you do. So if you could leave me a review on iTunes or Spotify, that would be amazing. And if you need some help from me and you want to reach out to me, Bruce at smartpizzamarketing.com is my email. Or you can reach out to me on Instagram at Smart Pizza Marketing. Thank you so much for hanging out with me here today. And I'll see you right back here next week for another episode of the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast. See ya.